we'll get into it. And I—I uh, I think your love life right now is very fascinating. Do you are you are you open to talking about it, or would you prefer not to? Uh, I might say a little bit. Okay. I won't say too much because okay. I promised I would. I promised it, but I did go on an online dating site, and I've met somebody interesting. So, <laughs> and I've been looking kind of specifically for Eastern or Slavic women. Now, why? Why them particularly? Just I you like know. that? Okay. Yeah. Okay. I mean, guys have, you know, different guys. Some people like Asian women. Some people like black women. Some people, whatever. I just was curious if you had some kind of... Oh, you, you, know. you know me. You know I what a normal would go. <laughs> you like redheads. <laughs> yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Are there redheaded Slavic women? I'm sure there are. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. So now you've got like an online, you know, relationship going basically with like Eastern European women at the moment, don't you? But she's super hot, which is crazy. I mean, I, you know, no offense to you, Yen, but she's, she's, she's hotter than you are. She's hotter than most people on the planet, this woman. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, so we got to see how that, where this goes. Don't you think? I mean, what's the plan? What's happening right now? Well, I've invited her to go to a concert with me, and she's trying to clear her schedule to come. Okay. So we'll see. Uh, what concert uh, do you have in mind? Uh, well, I'm going to one in Glasgow uh, with a, a band called Skippinish. Hmm. And it's a kind of a tradition, uh, traditional, a mix of traditional, modern Scottish music. That's amazing. Um, I went. I actually went and saw them last year. My my sister turned turned me on to them, and I went and saw them last year. And one of my friends from Wichita was in town, so I had extra tickets. Excellent. And, and so went with one of my friends from Wichita. That's great. Well, and so th this year I've invited this this particular lady, and she wants to go. Okay. And we'll see if she manages it. Yeah, we'll see. Hustlers everywhere will be uh, will be pulling for you, Yan. Uh -huh. This is kind of amazing. I, I, I told her I would, I would I would be I would keep her fairly private. So. But yeah. uh, if she's if she listens, and she says she's listened to some of our stuff. Good. I don't know what ones she's listened to yet, but. If she's if she listens to this, she knows who she is. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> wow. All right, man. Well, you know that the next recap in two months, we need a total update on all of this. Uh huh. Okay. Okay. It's just you and me, Yan. We let me explain. We uh, so a couple of months ago, one of our listeners requested to come on and do this recap with us, and I'm not. I won't mention his name because I'm hoping he comes back. I'm not trying to you know, vilify him or anything like that. But he had originally said that he wanted to take this slot. And uh, I think it was either just before we did Andy or just after Andy came out. I don't remember, but it was right around that time. And I said, well, look, don't pay us now because I don't, I don't want to take anyone's money unless the thing comes out and it's a positive experience for everybody. And Andy Shaw, who did it with us last time, Turns out he had a great time. And so I just want to make sure that it was deemed to be worth anyone's money. 
but I've been trying to follow up the last few weeks to, Hey, are you still planning on it? You know, end of, end of August, beginning of September, you know, we'd love to do it. And, uh, I haven't heard from him and I thought he was going to be at the Nashville rock and pod expo last week, uh, which would have made this even more fun. Cause then he and I could kind of, you know, do a retro on how the expo went, but I didn't see him there either. So I don't, I don't know. I did that go actually. It was, it was so much fun. It was, um, and you got asked about a lot. And so here's, for anyone who doesn't know, so this is the second annual Nashville Rock and Pod Expo. It's mostly spearheaded by Chris Sinzak from the Decibel Geek podcast. Uh, BJ Cramp from the Rock and or Roll podcast does a lot of help too. And it's basically, um, I think what they had in mind was originally like, let's have a bunch of, you know, we all podcasters, it's there's kind of a community here, you know, a, a network. We're all sort of interacting and being on each other's shows and stuff. Would it be fun if we all came together and met up one time? And then that turned into, well, what if we had bands play? And what if we had vendors? And what if we invited guests? And what if we opened it to the public? And so it just kind of keeps uh, evolving. Now, last year was a lot of fun, but it was there were definitely some growing pains involved. Uh, this year... It was at a bigger venue, which was in the same uh, parking lot as last year's venue. This place called the Nashville Palace. And uh, it was huge. It was The venue was huge. There were definitely more people from last year. I don't know yet whether... It still feels a little bit more like it's, um, it's an expo for podcasters to come hang out with each other versus the, uh, you know listeners or guests or anyone else want to come socialize with podcasters. I think they're still figuring out some things, but this year was, uh, had a couple of really good guests lined up. Like, uh, Vinnie Vincent was going to come and Brian head Welch from corn was going to come. They were the two biggest names and they both backed out Vinnie under some drama, dramatic circumstances. And so there was a little bit of a nervousness, like, you know, maybe this isn't going to take off and, you know, if we, if the bigger guests, if they're not going to come, then, you know, will anyone care? But it was such a positive experience for everybody. I'm sure that it feel, it just added fuel to the flame to keep it going. Yeah, there were probably half a dozen people there that asked about you specifically and told me to pass along, you know, their thoughts. The, the word that came up a lot for you was that people were grateful for you, which I thought was really nice because that's how I feel too. They recognized that you're the engine, you're the one that keeps this going. And so they routinely, I would hear, I'm just grateful that Yan does this, or we're grateful that Yan works to put this out. So I wanted to let you know that specifically, since we haven't. Talked. Oh, I appreciate it. appreciate that. Yeah. I would really love to be able to go, but you know my situation. I do. I do. Yeah, That's a bummer. Yeah. Like, this is the most ridiculous thing. <laughs> it's so stupid. <laughs> Bugs me. Yeah, really bugs really bugs me. Some you know because I've got the permanent resident card and because I've been gone for more than a year, I can't just come back in. Yeah, I have to go through all this ridiculous stuff, and I can't use the tourist visa, and so, oh, yeah, I just, it's annoying. Yeah, we'll have to. I don't know. I, I do think this is going to continue and um, we'll have to find a way sometime to make it work or something because yeah. uh, it'd be great to have you there. 
I um, so I'll give you a little bit of background. So I flew in on Friday, the Friday before. I had to get up at three thirty in the morning to catch my plane, which was not fun. And I was staying at an Airbnb with BJ Cramp, who I mentioned, Greg Renoff, who wrote the Van Halen Rising book, and um, Eric Miller from the Pods and Sods uh, podcast or network, I guess. The four of us were staying in a house together. <clears throat> And BJ and Greg picked me up from the airport and we immediately went to this record store called McKay's and I posted a picture as I always do. I bought like 18 or 19 CDs there and that was probably half as many CDs as I wanted to buy. I just felt so in, indulgent. I, sometimes when I go buy those CDs, I know I feel they're fun. It's fun in the moment, but afterwards I feel kind of sick. Like I, like I gorged on candy or something like that. You know, I ate too much sweet stuff. Uh -huh. And uh, so that's how I feel sometimes after I do that. But anyway, we did that. We went to lunch. We just, uh, it was really great to have, hang out with these guys and get to know everybody better. That's the beauty of that is of the expo to me right now is that, you know, we've, we've formed these online relationships with people like Ken Mills. I know you're friends with him and a few other people too. Aren't some of our listeners, Andy Shaw, Jay Sabluski, Michael Street, um, you know, these people, we get to know them a little bit and then you meet them and it just solidifies the friendship that is sort of, you know, starting to blossom online. And so uh, it was really great. The night, Friday night, BJ went back out and um, went to a concert. I went, Greg and I went, and well, before that, Greg and BJ and I met up with Ken Mills and Christine, the button queen and Andy Shaw came and we all went to dinner Julian Gill was there from Kiss FAQ. Uh, Courtney Cronin Dole, the comedian who was also there at the expo, came and um, just bonded over dinner, you know, hugs. Good to see everybody. And then Greg and I went back to our house. We were both hosting panels the next day. So we went back to the house. We were kind of tired anyway, uh, prepared for a panel. Uh, BJ went out, met up with Eric. They went to the concert the night before. Anyway, so the next day, the panel. We get there uh, fairly early, and I have a little table uh, set up, but I don't I don't need a table necessarily because I wasn't bringing any recording equipment or any tchotchkes to give away or anything. But it was really great. I was seated near. Um, I don't think you know this guy yet, Yan, but his name's Brad Page, and he hosts a, a podcast called "I'm in Love with That Song." Uh -huh. And Brad listens to us, and he he sent us or me an email. Uh, a couple of months ago and said, you know, I've started this new podcast and I, you know, I'd like to know what you think about it. And it's great. He picks a song that he likes and then he just dissects it for about 15 minutes and it's nothing technical. It's, you know, I talk on here a lot about that, like the magic of a song or the pixie dust or whatever that makes it kind of special. He does that. And, um, he's got such a great voice and it's these, the episodes are like 17, 18 minutes long, but they're just great. And I was, it was so great to hang out with him. We were well represented. I had a hustle shirt on, and both Andy and Jason Bluski were wearing hustle shirts. I don't know any other podcast that had sh that many shirts on there from from guests, from listeners. So that was fun. I got kind of asked to talk with other people to be on uh, on their podcast. I was I got uh, Baco asked me to come on Copers and Fire and talk about how I discovered Kiss. And I went, I talked to Randy Brown from Synaptic Empire. I talked to Michael Butler from uh, Rock and Roll Geek Show. I talked to Dan and Randy from the Dandy 
Classic Music Hour. I always get it backwards. Dandy Music. No, Dandy Classic Music. Whatever it is. Anyway. And then, um, <laughs> I don't. you probably don't know this either, Yan, but there's another podcaster out there named Joey Haney, and he does one called Rock Strikes 10, and he was there. And Joey and I had a little bit of a... A uh, little bit of a confrontation over Facebook one day. Really lame. He, I made some disparaging remark about the band Smashing Pumpkins. And he got mad at me and kind of piled on me on Facebook about it. And uh, I was like, well, I, I barely know you. And it, I don't know why you're taking it so hard that I don't like the band that you like. And so we sort of, you know, agreed gentlemanly that we would talk it out over the at the expo he turned out to be super nice and so he and i we i went on his show we talked on pods and sods anyway that's all been uh, worked out the point of all of this is that it's just fun to be there and be surrounded by all these people uh that are you know they're in it for the same love that we are and they're trying to kind of connect and they're putting what they their heart and soul into this little offering that they put out into the world and they hope people find it and they hope people love it and so we're, you know, it was fun to feel like, be reminded that you're a part of this community. The one downside to a lot of this was that the venue was actually rather large and I was on one side of the building and I only ever made it to the other side of the building like once. I had, because I was so, there were always people to talk to and listeners who came up to wanting to chat. I spent a lot of time with one of our listeners, Brent. He's lives in Texas and he and I have gotten to know each other a little bit. So there was just always people to talk to and, uh, and there wasn't enough time to really bond with certain people that I wanted to, but it went well. And then, um, I hosted that panel and, uh, that turned out pretty well. I was happy with it. I was a little nervous ahead of time because I'm not an expert on the band kick Tracy necessarily. Um, but I, so I wanted to, and I was a little nervous too, because a couple of two guys in that panel have reached one level of success and another guy in the panel has sort of reached another level. And I was, but I didn't want anyone to feel excluded. I wanted to ask questions that could be, you know, universal to everyone's experience. And hopefully, hopefully it turned out okay. But uh, anyway, it was, it was great. Sunday I got up, hung out with Brent, the guy I just mentioned, we went to lunch and went to the airport. Our flights were near each other. Just had a great time. So hopefully you can come one of these times. Yeah. So, so, you know, (laughs) And just uh, on that, I might have to ditch my green cab. Bob Seger's playing in Denver in Feb on his last Really? Trip. Yeah. I, he was coming here a few months ago, and he canceled because of health issues. I think most people know that. And so I've been waiting to hear about this rescheduling. Um, yeah, we might have to find a way for you to come back over here and go to a show with me. That would be fun. Yeah. Yeah. Because Seeger's on my bucket list. Me too. Yeah, me too. And uh, so maybe if I do that, then the next Rock and Pod Expo I'll be able to go to. Oh, nice. Okay, let's start Let's start working on that now. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, good. So yeah, that's the deal. It was uh, it was a total blast. I loved it. I had a great time. I wasn't sure what to expect, and it well well exceeded my expectations. I barely even saw Chris Sinzak. I said hi to him for about thirty seconds. Aaron Camaro, I passed once and said hi, and I don't even know if he knows who I am. So I mean, maybe he does, or maybe he forgot. I don't know. But anyway, I didn't get to spend the quality time with people like Sonny Pooney or 
um, you know, a lot of other people, but it, I, it was just great to see everyone. So I'm really glad I went. Um, okay, let's see here. Oh, I wanted to say just as a reminder um, how this works. So the guest situation here, if anyone would like to come and be a guest with us on one of these recaps, uh, you just donate a hundred bucks and then you hop on Skype with us and we will go over a recap of the last two months worth of episodes, uh, kind of any behind the scenes stories or whatever. And then you as our guest can pick a top three topic of your choice, whatever that might be. Uh, Andy picked top three most underrated artists and then uh, we'll debate our choices. So, Hundred bucks. That's what you could do. The next one will be at the end of September, early October. I'm sorry, end of October, early November, and then um, the one at the end of the year. I think probably will just be you and me, yeah, and we can count down our best of the year. Maybe we'll open that up. I don't know, but anyway, that's it. If no one wants to do these things, they don't have to. We can just keep doing them. But I thought I'd throw it out there in case somebody did, because when we did one at the end of last year, there we, I heard from a lot of people. Oh, I wish. I could have come on or I would have loved to have done that with you or something. And I thought, well, fine, let's throw it out. So anyway, that's the deal. Just wanted to reiterate how that works. Well, I think that's uh, I think that's all the groundwork that we wanted to get to before getting to the recaps. Is there anything um, like anything going on with you? How's work? You're back at the bank. All right. So I basically go in and I'm doing the exact same stuff as before. And when I need access to do some work for them, uh, it has to be requested and approved individual systems at a time and the process can take ages and wow. it just slows everything down. Wow. Fun. Work is fun sometimes, isn't it? I hear you. I hear you. Work is, uh, I don't know. I'm really conflicted about my job too, but I've, I've talked about it before. Sometimes I like it. Sometimes I can't take it anymore. And I'm always concerned that I'm going to get some, if I go get a new job that I won't like it and I'll, re, I'll miss my old job and the job I have now, I've got it to where I can uh, be successful at it for the most part. All right. So let's talk about the last couple of months worth of episodes. Honestly, there's not a ton of, uh, you know, fireworks or behind the scenes drama to get into on too many of these. Um, I would say while I was at the expo, the two episodes that I got asked about the very most were the Mark Torian episode from Bullet Boys and then Cherry Vanilla. And I think I know why. Number one, this was largely a hard rock and heavy metal uh, community that was at the thing. So, of course, they, they, I don't think they listened to every episode of ours, but they tuned in for the Bullet Boys episode. And everyone had, came away with kind of the same feeling, which is that he didn't sound like 100% trustworthy, although he was a really nice guy. But, um, which is what I kind of, the feeling I got too. And then Cherry Vanilla, I'll save my feelings on that one because there's a lot to dive into for that one. But um, yeah, those are the two that got, yeah, those are the two that got the most feedback for sure. Uh, I, I can't imagine why. <laughs> yeah. What, why would that be? I wonder. It seems so tame. So anyway. Okay. Well, for starters, we'll start with Brian Nash from Frankie Goes to Hollywood. Um, I don't have a ton of to say about him behind the scenes he was super nice to me um he after that episode came out i heard from several people who sent me videos or articles or stories or quotes or whatever that basically i think 
at the end of the day, it's probably accurate to say that Brian likely did not play on those Frankie Goes to Hollywood albums. Uh, he may have played in the live shows, but uh, I don't believe he shows up anywhere on those albums. And now, and come to think of it, I don't know if too many of the actual band members do. I think maybe Trevor Horn has his whole stable of people that he ro- likes to bring in to make the out kind of albums he likes to make. And uh, I, so I don't think Brian showed up anywhere on those. I don't think he wants to say that. His book didn't necessarily come right out and say that either. But um, if he is in the mix somewhere, he's buried pretty deeply, I think. I could be wrong, but that's the impression I got based on what people were telling me after that one came out. Plus, if you ever listen to his solo albums under the name Nasher, and they're on Spotify, they're extremely mellow. And I, it doesn't, not that, you know, mellow's fine, but it doesn't even sound like the same guy who's do, putting out the Nasher albums would have put out, would have worked on those Frankie Goes to Hollywood albums. But that's just me. Um, oh, by the way, and as always, just chime in if you have something you want to say. Yeah, so with, with okay. that, you never know who was the creative drive behind the Frankie Goes to Hollywood mm-hmm. in terms of the sound. So he may just have been, if he was on it, playing what they wanted, whereas with his solo stuff, he's doing what he wants. Very good point. Yeah, very good point. Yeah, I don't know. That The more I think about it, the more I think they that band was sort of a... I don't mean this negatively. When when you say flash in the pan, it sort of implies a, a lack of depth or a lack of sustenance. That's not what I mean. But they were sort of a studio creation that hit it big and that could not be sustained over the long haul, probably because there was so much so much artifice there. Now it's great. They're, those song those albums are great. Those singles were great, but. Um, it just was like a stroke of luck, you know? It wasn't uh, this group of guys that really wanted to be musicians that started in the garage and really practiced forever and ever. I don't think it was like that. Uh, after that, we have Chris Joyce from Simply Red. He was a super nice guy. He gave, he said what is one of my very favorite quotes anyone has said of all the like 200 people I've talked to. And it wasn't even on the final uh final edit of the show i always close these things out whenever i'm done talking to somebody with saying hey this you know it'll be out in a few weeks if you feel like sharing the links with your fans please do and he came back with the best line he said which fans are those john and i just thought that was so funny because he so self-deprecating you know i i don't have any fans that i would send the links to john what are you talking about i thought that was so funny he, I really enjoyed him, actually. I really, really enjoyed him. I did, too. And that can't have been easy. I mean, like I said, I sought him out specifically because when I was watching that classic album show, I mean, how would you feel? You're a founding member of this band. You get edged out, and the next album that they're recording when you get fired goes on to be one of the biggest in history. And you're like, why, why did, what did I do? I didn't do anything. Why did you fire me? You know? And uh, I tried, if anyone cares, I tried multiple times to try and get Mick Hucknell to come on. Uh, I'd love to interview him anyway. It doesn't have to be necessarily, why did you, 
you know, fire Chris Joyce. It would be a longer interview than that, but I never heard back. I couldn't get a hold of him. So, but anyway, I thought Chris was a super nice guy. And then his business manager takes off with all of his money and leaves him broke and destitute. And he's got to completely rebuild his life. And he does so successfully. He was a really good guy. That seems to, that sounds like a common occurrence in the music business too. It does. We've had a few people say that exact thing, haven't we? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Crooked uh, managers just to, yeah. just taking off with the cash. Always. Yep. Yeah. Seems to happen more often than not. All right. Then there was I uh, Paul Underwood from Glory Days Radio. He uh, came up to Denver, so it, because he and I went and saw Brian Adams in concert at Red Rocks, and it was so great. And I take a lot of heat because that same night. The, uh, Mike Nesmith and Mickey Dolans of the Monkees were also here in town. And uh, we have a few ardent Monkees fans as listeners. I like the Monkees too. And I would have loved to have seen that show. But the prospect of seeing Brian Adams at Red Rocks, which is probably the greatest concert venue in the world, was just too good to pass up. And in fact, also that same night were the Doobie Brothers and Steely Dan at another outdoor venue. And um, I've never seen the Doobies, and I love them. So that was a rough night, but I think we chose wisely, despite what some of you, the flack you guys give me for going to that instead of the Monkees. It was a really good show. And so while so he was... What's that? So where is the Red Rocks venue? It's about uh, 35 miles from my house. It's just up the up in the mountains. Oh, a little nice. ways. It's gorgeous. I mean... For anyone who doesn't know, if you you've probably seen the video of you two doing uh, Sunday Bloody Sunday, that you know that concert outdoors with the white flag and the flames and it's pouring rain, it's uh, it's the Under a Blood Red Sky album that was all recorded at Red Rocks. So it's an iconic video and it's an iconic concert venue. It's just the greatest. I was just there uh, last week. I saw. David Byrne from Talking Heads there, and it was the greatest concert I've ever been to. And I've been to hundreds of concerts, and that was the one that was the greatest one. It was crazy. So good. So that's what we got to do, Yan. When you come out here next, we got to go to uh, Red Rocks. It, even if it's a crappy concert, we got to go to Red Rocks just so you can experience the whole thing. I'm in. Good. So yeah, while Paul was here, he came for a couple of days and we recorded a version of his radio show, Glory Days Radio, and uh, he and he picked the topic, I think it was, of picking uh, our top five producers, and that was just so much fun. I really love Paul. I wish he lived closer so we could do stuff like that more often. Um, he's such a good guy and has become a good friend, and one of our listeners let me know after the fact, I think this was Greg, if I remember right, that I had falsely said in uh, the Glory Days Radio interview with Paul that I thought Nile Rogers produced Channel Z by B-52s because the guitar lick in there sounds exactly like Nile Rogers. Turns out it was Don Woods, not Nile Rogers. And there's another great music podcast out there called The Hit Parade. And uh, I had I was behind on Hit Parade episodes. And I believe the one that talked about that exact thing came out around the same time as I made that comment. So anyway, a little bit of synergy. Uh, let's see. Oh, the last recap episode with Andy. Andy was so great. He totally brought it. He was funny. He had great stories. 
He brought interesting anecdotes to talk about. I had a really good time. Did you enjoy that one too? Oh, that was that was so good. And you know what I meant to ask him about when when he was on. You remember uh, last year or maybe the year uh, a while back we had uh, Tony Ortiz on and he, mm-hmm. and we had some stuff. Oh yeah. That, we had some stuff by the Melismatics. Yes, that's right. Or he and played from... with the Melismatics. They are from yeah. Min- yeah. They're from Minneapolis. I, I didn't even yeah. think about that. You're right. I meant to, I meant to ask him about them. We'll have I'll to need send to, him a message. Yeah, yeah, I'll need to need to do that. He was I wonder great. If he's, I wonder if he's seen them live. I don't know. Um, that's a really good question. Yeah, that was Andy was so great. He brought it, and uh, no one noticed, by the way, that one of my picks got cut out, which I thought was. Either, either no one was really paying attention or no one cared what my top pick was of the most underrated. Um, but I'll just say we had a, uh, for whatever reason, our, the recording stopped working um, while we were doing that. My number one pick, and it's not necessarily who I think is the most underrated band ever, but uh, it fit the theme that I was going with, was Flock of Seagulls. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah. So I gave this whole thing about how I feel like they're really underrated. And Paul Reynolds, their guitarist, is one of the most underrated guitarists ever. And um, But unfortunately, it got uh, didn't get recorded due to a technical snafu. So anyway, um, glad Andy came and did that with us. That was a lot of fun. Uh, let's see. After that, Joe Puerta from Bruce Horns being the range. Nothing really major to say to that one other than I enjoyed it. And uh, I've tried to get Bruce Horns beyond here. He's one of my dream guests. And uh, he, I've never been able to do it. And so I thought, well, let's see if somebody else would come on. And I've reached out to, I think, every member of the band. And Joe was the one. Actually, it was thanks to Burley Drummond from Ambrosia that I even heard back from Joe. And um, so luckily, uh, Burley had a good enough experience that he put in a good word for us. And Joe came on and talked about the... I, I still cannot believe that how different things would have been if... I don't know if you're even familiar with the record label Wyndham Hill, but they're a new age kind of piano, new age George Winston would have been on that label. And if Bruce Hornsby had signed with them instead of whoever it was he signed with that made him a pop star. It was actually How different things would be because we would not know who he was, you know, not really. He couldn't have done the way it is on a new age label and have it become anything major. I really enjoyed that conversation. He, he was really interesting. Yeah, I thought so too. And his ability to pick hits and everything. I thought that was great. Um, after him was Mark Stein from Vanilla Fudge. I, uh, I've i mentioned this before. I, it's, it's something about you New Yorkers. Nothing is a big deal with New Yorkers. Whenever, you know, it was uh, Joe Esposito was a little bit like this. Richie Fontana from Piper was a little bit like this. It's it's just very, it's not in their nature to get kind of worked up. It's like, eh, what are you going to do? You know, we got, the band broke up. We got shafted. Our second album sucked. I lost all my money. Whatever it is, eh, what are you going to do? That's their kind of nonplussed reaction. And I just think that's so interesting because I'm always trying to like draw out the drama, you know, like that can't have been easy. Eh, what are you going to do? You know, that's kind of the response. But anyway, and then BJ Thomas, I was really proud of that one. That's one of those ones that like a Brian Howe or Robert Tepper or one of these, one of those people that everyone knows, but 
knows very little about. You know, everyone in the world has heard raindrops keep falling on my head, but oh. do you know, what do you, what do we know about B.J. Thomas? You know, and so I and I like finding those type of people that are different and uh, familiar but new all the same. You know, I said to, I said to my my folks I was talking to my dad about that one before I published it. And I said, I've got a really good one coming out. And he said, who is it? I said, and I told him, BJ Thomas. And well, I've heard that name. I said, you should. There's a really, really famous song from a, from a really, really famous movie with Robert Redford and Paul Newman. And he got it straight away. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, BJ was a good guy. I was really proud of that one. Um, okay, let's talk about Cherry Vanilla for a minute. So... <laughs> <clears throat> I'm just going to laugh. <laughs> I'm sure you will. <laughs> so, okay. So I heard from some listeners uh, who were like, you know, did you have to keep bringing up the sex, John? Did you have to, you know, keep kind of going there with her? And yes. while I was in, while I was in, yes, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> yes, I did. And while I was in Nashville, a lot of people were sort of joking with me that I was like a pervert or something like that. Well, have you heard him talk to Cherry Vanilla? This guy's a total pervert. So let me explain why I did what I did, okay? If you read her book, it is like wall-to-wall sex. It is, uh, and I'm not a prudish person, but it was almost more than I needed to hear. And almost any time she starts talking about a new guy that played in her band or a new rock star that she started hanging out with or somebody she worked for, that story almost always led to, and then we slept together, or and then I did this thing with him, or whatever. You know, it almost always would end up there. And she's a famous groupie. I mean, she wrote a book about it. So my thinking was, you established the rules with your book. And so I was, and I, I can't stress this enough, I was trying so hard I did not in any way want her to feel as if I was judging her, like she was an immoral person or slutty or anything like that. It's not my position. I don't feel those things and it's not my position to judge her that way. And I, But I also didn't want her to think that when I was asking her about sex or sex with rock stars or whatever, that I was also looking to like dig up dirt. You know, ooh, how, tell me how what, was he a good lover? How big was he? You know, how many people did you fool around with or whatever? I was, tr- I really wanted to try and raise the the quality of the conversation to have a more sort of introspective conversation around morality and sexual politics and uh, women's empowerment through their own sexuality. I really tried to do that, and then while it was happening, I'm thinking, I'm a white Mormon kid from from Utah. What do I know about any of this? I'm probably the wrong guy to have this kind of conversation with somebody, but I did the best that I could. So that's why I went there. And I hope it wasn't offensive to anyone. I hope that I, it didn't appear that I stepped over a line or went too far on anything. Uh, I don't think I went any further. In fact, if anything, I, I know I didn't go any further than her book did. I pulled back a lot. I just tried to sort of clarify some things from the book. So anyway. And to, to, to me, that's fine. If it's in the book, it's fair to ask about it. And as long as you're not going too far on it, that's okay. 
I didn't think I was, you know, yeah. and I, I really don't want to know details. That's kind of gross. But like I said, every story in the book ends with her sleeping with someone. So when she starts saying, you know, Sting and Stuart Copeland were in my band. Well, every other person that you just wrote about that was in your band, you ended up having sex with. Did you have sex with them? You know, I mean, I, I figured it was OK to ask. And I think she was OK with it. So um, anyway, I really like that uh, that one. It's very it was different for us. It's not the usual kind of story that we put out there, but I liked it. And I'm really happy that I heard from a few people who said they went out and bought her CD, which is that's more than anything. That's what I want is for people to be turned on to good music and find music they like and buy it. That's the most important part. And it was good. It was. That first album of hers, uh, Bad Girl, is incredible. The second one, Venus to Vinyl, is pretty good. But the first one's amazing, and you can get them both on one CD. It's totally worth it. Uh, okay, let's see. Paul Kimball from Grantley Buffalo. Um, I really liked that one. I did too. He, uh, you know, it's funny. When I locked him in, in my mind, it's I was like, oh, this is a major get. You know, I, I had, um, I, I loved Grantley Buffalo back in the nineties. I thought he was, would have an especially interesting story because he got fired from the band before they were done. And I'm thinking this is a major get for us. Um, I don't, it turns out based on what feedback I got, they were more of an obscure band than I realized. Did you know who they were Yen? I had not heard of them. No, really? Okay. See, I, I may have probably heard some of their music after li listening to it. In fact, I'm pretty sure I had. Yeah. But I just didn't connect the dot with the with the name. Given how much you love '90s alternative rock, I bet you would love them if you if you dove deeper into it. Dove? Oh yeah. Dived? Okay. Oh yeah. What what we had on the show was great. Good. Yeah, I thought so too. I thought he was. I thought he would be great, and he was. He was kind of a little bit in that Steve Kilby mold where he was just a little, uh, you know, untethered and told it like it is and a little crazy. I got to read this. So after we were done, um, I sent him a message on Facebook and thanked him for coming on. And it, this is what he wrote back. Uh, he said, the one thing we didn't talk about enough is the spirit world. I understand the focus of your show, but how you manage the spirit world in a world filled with business is a legitimate angle, I think. Maybe part two someday. What does that even mean? And I wrote it back and said, I, I'm really intrigued. The spirit world. Let's hop back on for five minutes and talk about it. And then I never heard from him again. What, what could that possibly mean, Yan? Isn't that weird? Well, he probably has some, I mean, that maybe he has some angle on, on faith in some way that he, he must. Uh, I, I thought he was, he was really interested on that. I did too. Um, and I love talking with people about their faith, especially in, you know, at, because it juxtaposes with rock stardom so drastically. I always think, you know, how do you manage both? If you do manage both, where do you stand on that kind of stuff? And I just thought, what a, what a strange and, but also provocative thing to say. So who knows what Paul Kimball means when he says the spirit world, but I might have to get him back on to find out what he's talking about exactly. Cause that, I'm really fascinated. Oh, dude. I, I mean, he was, he was really interesting anyway. So part two could, could be useful. Um, yeah. 
could be good for him, I think. Yes, and also one other thing I want to mention. Um, he gave a special shout-out to that band from Trinidad that he's been working with called Joint Pop. And uh, the lead singer of Joint Pop heard the interview and contacted us afterwards. And he sent us the album. I don't know if you downloaded it. I did. It is so good. It is incredibly good stuff. Very, it's, um, it's, it's not straightforward, but it's really catchy alternative rock. The album that he sent me, their new one is called from Trinidad with love. And it's everything they have is on Spotify but I wanted to make sure I gave him a special shout out because it is really good. All I can tell you is that uh, I was listening to I was listening to David Bowie's Heroes, the song Heroes, while I was downloading what Gary's his name, the lead singer of Joint Pop, what he sent us. And then um, once it was done downloading, I pressed play, and I remember thinking that the sound wasn't that different. So if you can imagine what Heroes by David Bowie sounds like, this was sort of like that, only peppier and um, pop, more poppier. But anyway, I thought it was great. So I don't know if you got your hands on that, but I hope you if you didn't, you should, because it's really, really good. Well, I will have to. Yeah. He sent us the Dropbox link. So it's out there somewhere on Facebook, I think. And then uh, Linda Clifford. So... I gotta admit, I did, I recognize those songs. I didn't know that much about Linda before we talked. The reason that that happened was, um, by the time this comes out, our next episode will have come out, and that one is with Robbie Dupree, whose one major hit is "Steal Away," and I love that song. And the publicist that works with Robbie contacted me later and said, "Are you interested in all in talking with Linda Clifford?" And I thought, well, I don't know that much about Linda Clifford, but I love to touch on all different genres and all different decades, and I love disco music, and we don't get it on here often enough, and I'm always trying to get more women on the show. And so I was like, yeah, let's. I, there's got to be an interesting story there. I mean, disc, just the disco era, hearing about Studio 54 and all that stuff, that, part, that stuff is fun no matter what, you know? And she was great. She was such a down-to-earth, normal, fun, informative person. And I could tell from our... I mentioned all this because, you know, we can see download numbers. And it doesn't look like that one was interesting to our regular listeners because it doesn't have as many downloads as some of the other episodes have. And I understand that if you... I don't listen to every episode... If, you know, Mark Marin puts out an episode and it's with someone I don't know or care about, I don't listen to it. So I understand. But if you felt like listening to it, I think you would be impressed because she was a really, really nice lady. And her music is great. And so, anyway, it might be worth your time. Oh, I think so, too. I, I mean, I'm not usually one for the dancey type kind mm-hmm. of stuff. But I really liked her her take on Bridge Over Trouble Water. That yeah. was pretty good. That was interesting, and hearing about what she went through being crowned Miss New York in 1966, and oh yeah, they weren't going to give her the. They didn't want to announce her the winner because she was black, and then she won anyway. And the reporter gave her home address in the newspaper just so people would harass her afterwards. That's awful, you know. But she weathered it all. So anyway, I think she was a really nice lady. Uh, To me, who cares what color skin she had? Of course, she was good. If she was. 
good enough to win. She should have been given it and just let her let her be. Let her do her thing. I agree. She was a great lady, and her I like her music a lot. And then lastly was John Azelwood. And uh, I have a lot of thoughts about this. So let me ask you, Yan. Did you know who he was? Oh, I'd seen, I'd seen the name before. Yeah. Okay. Because he, I mean, if he's been writing in pop magazines and whatnot for 30-odd years, I'm guessing you've seen his byline or something, you know, over the years probably. Uh, he was he was so interesting. I really liked him. <laughs> I thought so too. I um, it's funny in the states. All I didn't I didn't know anything about his journalism career. I knew a little bit because his website talks a little bit about it. But he's a talking head on this show, Rock Legends. And so my thinking was, I'm gonna when you know I always like the wow factor on Tuesdays when we put out there who it is and people are like, I know that guy. I forgot all about that guy. Or they got that guy, you know. That's kind of the those sort of responses is what I'm always hoping for. Uh-huh. And I was, was hoping. Oh, go ahead. That was that was uh, last week, right? Yes, last this yeah, last that, Tuesday. Yeah, that was oh, that was a nightmare for me. <laughs> Why? Uh, so you know, I'll, I'll give give everybody a little bit of background. So I use Apple tools to to put this to piece this together and build it, and I had pretty much everything done. And I went to go build, and and none of my none of my music would play in iTunes. iTunes, nothing would connect to iTunes, and I couldn't build the episode. Oh, man. And I'm sitting there getting to a point where I'm panicking because it's getting later and later and later and iTunes is not working. And I sent a crash sent a crash and error report to Apple to see if they could figure anything out. And then it got to I think it got to after midnight and then I just I end up just rebooting the laptop and things started working. Oh, and like what a oh Build, build. What a nightmare! And you know what's annoying about that was that originally you were going to be out of the out of uh, on vacation or out of town for that weekend, and so uh-huh. I purposely picked one that didn't require a lot of editing that I thought would be really easy for you because there were only four or five songs in the whole thing, and he uh, there were you know maybe three or four times where he he's such a pro. He would say something and get it wrong, and then he'd say, "Wait, let me start over." And then, you know, there was. I thought this was going to be one of the easiest ones, and then that's the one that ends up causing you the biggest headache. That's terrible. Yeah, I mean, from an edit perspective, it was fine. It was straightforward, but yeah. the, oh, the backdrop to trying to oh, that sucks. to to get it built and published Shoot. was just horrendous. Yeah. Well, we got a lot of good feedback on that one. I, um, it's interesting. While it was happening, uh, you know, you forget when you, that he makes his living uh, expressing his opinions on television, and with that comes a. Uh, it's I would. It's not that he talked too much. It's just that he he expressive is the best word I can think of. You know, and so when we have these conversations, I always. I want them to be a little snappier so that I can cover more ground, you know, but it was, he would give these long, really fascinating thoughts and, and, uh, 
takes on on uh, the Bay City Rollers or on, you know, I would mention a band I didn't like, like the band and he or the Allman Brothers. And he would explain why I should like these bands. And he didn't have to do that. And I would I when this is happening in my mind, I'm like, I have 20 questions I want to ask you before we're done. And we're running out of time because you're telling me why I should like the band. But I uh, I need to learn to let it go. And thankfully, he has agreed to come back on. And normally, as you know, I don't like to double dip in the same band or the same guest very often. But in his case, since it's more a conversation about music than it is, you know, diving into someone's career, uh, I'm absolutely going to do it. Plus, I mean, he wrote for Q Magazine and all that kind of stuff. I didn't know. I never know whether if I say, so what's so-and-so really like? If I'm asking someone to sort of uh, divulge trade secrets in a way, you know, like, well... We and we music journalists, we actually don't answer those questions because everything is hush hush. But he didn't come off that way, so I didn't really prepare those kinds of questions because I never know whether I'm crossing a line. And then in the middle of our conversation, it seemed clear that he would have been open going there. And so I, I next time he comes on and he has agreed to it, hopefully he'll stick to that. Uh, I just want to ask him about British bands of the '80s and '90s. What's the real story? What were they like? Um, you know, what was the dynamic? Where whatever happened to these people? I think he would just be a wealth of information on that kind of stuff. Yeah, I thought he, I thought he was really great, and I'm looking, I'm actually looking forward to a part two for him. Yeah, um, yeah, me too. Hopefully, I'm going to spread it out. I'll probably wait a couple of months, but um, see if he'll come back. And I thought it was so funny when you could hear him pieced together in his mind. Oh, this guy's from Utah. Oh, he went to BYU. Oh, okay. I understand now what I'm dealing with. You know, like, uh, <laughs> yeah. he, uh, I could, you could hear it. And then when I would, when I would voice an opinion, like the trash cans and Atras, and he was so baffled, you can, you can f- hear it all come together in his brain. Oh, Okay. That's why this guy has such weird uh, music theories, because he's a Mormon guy from Utah. No wonder. Now we know. You could see why he would feel that. You could tell that he would go there in his mind. Well, that's the last few months. Um, not a ton of fireworks. I, um, In fact, I've been feeling none of these episodes really like went viral. You know, I think the last one of our episodes that really took off and the fans embraced and it did what I always hope these episodes are going to do. Was The last one was probably Eddie McDonald from The Alarm. Um, Jack Hughes from Wang Chung did well. I start to question myself and I tend to get down on myself when it feels like, uh, you know, people don't care or aren't as interested. I And sometimes I know that we get kind of labeled like an 80s podcast a lot, which is fine. I mean, obviously I love the 80s. That's my sweet spot. But I always try to be more diverse. And so after we did that, you know, five or six people from the eighties, I thought, well, let's go to the seventies, you know, let's go a different direction. And so the month of September is going to be seventies bands or yacht rock bands or soft rock bands or whatever, you know, those kinds of things. And then, um, but now I'm kind of jonesing for eighties bands again. So I don't know. I, I hope that what we do, you know, has value for the people that listen. And I hope the fans enjoy uh, I hope the fans of the people we have on find these episodes. Um, it has felt late, lately like, I don't know, like maybe I'm not bringing it like I should or people aren't as 
into some of the guests we've had on lately. I don't know. Maybe I'm overthinking, but hopefully they're sticking with us. Seems like they are. I don't normally like to talk about numbers, but I think it's really interesting, Yan, that it took a month shy of three years to uh, get our first 100,000 downloads. And it's taken five months to get the next 100,000 downloads. That's really interesting. Which is great. That is great. You know, I'm really, I'm humbled by that. Uh, It seems like every day, a handful of people, you can tell by the numbers and who's downloading and where, every day, uh, you know, half a dozen people or so seem to find us and go back and download all the old episodes, which really makes me happy. So anyway, uh, now because I didn't, have any real uh, a bunch of questions because I thought we were going to be covering a topic chosen by our guest but there was one question I want to touch on that came up a few a uh, few months ago that I've been sort of saving, saving. Uh, Mike uh, Wagner who's we've had on here before from the band Total Strangers he sent over a question that I thought was really provocative and I wanted to run this by you Yan you tell me what you think too Uh, You always see, he's talking to me, you always seem to think a life in music is better than a job. He said, I understand the sentiment, but would you give up your relationship with your family to go on the road 150 to 200 dates a year? That is what it takes. No insinuating or saying you are wrong, just a lot to think about from all sides. And I had never thought of that before. And I think, and there's a, that's a heavy, that's a heavy question to ask. I mean, at this stage in our lives, would you want to pursue that rock and roll dream if it meant leaving your family and going out on the road for, you know, half to two thirds of the year? Would you want to do that at this stage? I don't know. I can see the the difficulties with that. But someday in my kind of situation, it probably wouldn't be as bad. That's true. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think that would be, it would be difficult. It would be definitely difficult on my wife. Um, Farah, I think would have a really, would get really resentful really quickly if I was out, you know, trying to be a rock star. Now, if I had been a rock star, if I was someone like Martha Davis of the motels or somebody like that, who has had sustained various levels of success for 40 years now, and that's all I knew then that'd be different. But in my situation now, I'm, you know, I got three little kids and they're in school and um, I got to provide for my family and I got a wife who needs help. kid doesn't want to do it all on her own and shouldn't have to. Then, yeah, that's a, that's a difficult thing to weigh. I don't know. Um, Yeah. Like I said, for for my situation is different. My son lives with my ex-wife just because of logistics. I only have him summer and Christmas. So yeah. The rest of the time, yeah, for me, that would, you know, you as could long make as it I work. could, yeah, yeah, as long as I could make enough to cover my responsibilities, sure, yeah, yeah, I don't know if I'd be able to do that, but, um, but I, and if I had never been a rock star and this was like my one chance, then yeah, I think I would do it, but if I had been there and done it and it and it spit me out, maybe I wouldn't, I don't know, that's a good question, Mike. Anyway, well, that's it, Yan. That's uh, that's our uh, recap for the last couple of months. No major drama or fireworks. Cherry Vanilla was probably the most tantalizing or provocative episode we put out these last couple of months. Anything else you want to say? 
Uh, no, although uh, actually, yeah, I'll do that. I'll do this. Oh, it's be- it's become an almost constant. If you remember one of our previous recaps a while back, we had we had the stuff from Anthony Porter's band. Yes. Yeah, I listen to that every Tuesday night. Do you really? Yes, I do. Yes. That must make him so happy. In fact, I think you mentioned that to him on Facebook or something. I did. I was actually listening to it the the day he posted that. I was sat there listening to it. Good. Incidentally. It's so good. The band is Three Chord Money. Three Chord Money, the song is Tuesday Night. Great track. I do. I listen to it every Tuesday on the way home from work. That is great. Oh, I'm so glad. That's going to make him happy. Well, that's a good transition. So the song we're going to close it out with this week, again, just as a reminder, we like to close out these recap episodes with songs that are available for purchase by people who are largely independent artists that listen to our podcast. And, uh, I I do that because I want to support them. Uh, It doesn't always make sense to do episodes on these people, but their music is out there to be be listened to, and so I want to shine a light. And this week, the one we're going to play is from one of our listeners named Michael Ray Pfeiffer, and he has a band called Michael Ray and the Nasty Notes. They've put out a couple of albums. The uh, latest came out last year, and it's called Blind Faith, the one from that I'm going to play a song off of is from uh, 2014, and the album's called The Higher You Climb. And this is the title track, track one, off of The Higher You Climb. You'll be able to tell from this that he's a pretty straightforward rock. It's rock music. I mean, it's, you know, some blues influence, some country influence, but it's just, you know, straight ahead American rock and roll. That's what Michael Ray does. And um, I like the diversity of this particular song. It has a lot of different styles going on in one, but it's cohesive and it's a killer song. The Higher You Climb by Michael Ray Pfeiffer and the Nasty Notes. I look at you Beautiful you I shed a be some way you'll walk today and come running just as fast as a blink of an struggle 
of lazy 